Welcome. You are listening to the Fat and Furious podcast. In this podcast series, your host, Steve Bennett, father of seven, best-selling author and adventurer, will be joined by 23 of the world's most forward-thinking medical professionals, doctors, authors, and top nutritionists, where he'll share the truth behind living healthier and happier for longer. In this hour, we're going to look at how a doctor battled with his own obesity. During my own personal pursuit in uncovering often surprisingly simple solutions to health and longevity, I've had the absolute pleasure to meet some very interesting people, many of whom I'm privileged to now call close friends. Dan Maggs is one of those people, a forward-thinking GP who turned around his own obesity by challenging the health advice that in the past he was giving to others. He's the perfect example of somebody who now practices what he preaches. His YouTube channel, Carb Dodging, is one of the most entertaining and informative sources for great healthy cooking that aren't only good for your health, but also hugely tasty. Please welcome my good friend, Dr. Dan Maggs. Dr. Dan Maggs. Hi, Steve. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank For those you. those that don't know Dr. Dan Maggs, uh, GP, chef, all-round good guy. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Let's you. start with that. Start on a good note. So, carbdodging.com, your website. Yep. Tell everybody a little bit about carb dodging. So, I was basically wanted to think up a name for what I do, and I didn't like the way that... You know, a lot of people have come in and take the keto movement. Yeah. A lot of people are coming in, you know, who don't really know a lot about it. They're mm-hmm. seeing there's probably some money there and they're yep. diving in and putting recipes out and all this kind of stuff. And I just wanted a way to differentiate myself good, good, good. from, you know, what everybody else is doing and actually have something that I can call my own yep. and I can control it because, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm coming down on people who are, yeah, who uh, good intentions about changing their diet. Yep. But there is a right way yep. and a wrong way yep. to do a low-carb diet. You can do it just by basically eating cheese yep. uh, or, you know, whatever. You know, actually to be... That is technically a low-carb diet. Does it yep. mean it's a good low-carb diet? Absolutely not. So, yep. um, you so could I really follow the Inuits and just eat fish. Absolutely. There's lots of ways of doing but carb dodging says yeah. what it is. And uh, we'll get into some carb dodging techniques as we go through the hour um, but before we do uh, tell everybody how this all started for you uh, on the low carb trial not I normally say tell us how you became a GP and all that but let's start slightly different with yourself tell us how you started to realize that carbs maybe not all they're cracked up to be so I struggle with my weight as long as I can remember back you know I always was a chubby kid and that kind of got worse through my 20s probably some you know ill-advised you know drinking at medical school and stuff I'm not going to say I was perfect for the whole way through but um, you know I gained weight and ended up in my early 30s newly qualified as a GP you know firmly obese you know well uh, with a BMI over 30 and I tried several times throughout my 20s and early 30s to lose that weight and had been unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. And I'd usually pretty much ended up gaining more weight than I'd lost. 
you know, I'd, I'd got married a few years before and I'd really, really, you know, I thought this is the time. This is absolutely the time. I've got six months until I get married. I'm going to lose that weight. Mm-hmm. And I got to a certain point and I just couldn't lose anymore. And again, a few months after the, the honeymoon was over, I was back up to pretty much my heaviest weight ever. Wow. Um, so I was just over 108 kilograms at my heaviest uh, and I was away skiing and I saw a guy, in a, I was in a shared chalet and a guy I didn't know and at breakfast he was spooning butter mm-hmm. into his coffee. And I thought, that's a bit strange. Um, so being naturally inquisitive, I had to ask, what are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, and actually, we just had a conversation over a glass of wine or two in the evening. Uh, and over the course of that week, he'd really changed my perspective on the whole approach to dieting. He'd mm-hmm. gone from thinking about weight loss and weight gain as a matter of calories in and calories out purely and simply. Yep. To thinking about the hormonal impacts and the mm-hmm. reason that he was putting butter into his coffee rather than having porridge, which is what everybody else was having yeah. for breakfast or croissants, we were in France, <laughs> um, in order to actually keep his insulin levels low. Yeah. Okay. And promoting, um, promoting fat burning mm-hmm. rather than fat storage. Yeah. And I got home from that holiday. Like I said, I was at my heaviest ever, ever weight at that point. Yeah. And within six months, well, Six days over six months, I'd gone back to a normal weight. Yep. And that was over 60 pounds, about wow. five stone in weight loss at that time. That's incredible amount to lose in one go. Mm. Now, GPs who are listening to this may have a different opinion. But for those that aren't in the medical profession, might be listening right now and say, well, he's a GP. Surely he should know about weight loss and, and food and all that. Uh, and that I can understand a lot of people would, would, would think straight away. But is it true that when you're becoming a GP in that five or six year course, very little is taught about nutrition? Yeah, I think we, I certainly remember very, very early on at medical school, you, you start to go through the biochemistry. You know, this is for, for anybody who's done any biology at anything other than GCSE level. You t- start to talk about things like the Krebs cycle mm-hmm. and, and these kind of things that, that are how our cells get energy. But that's, very different from actually talking about nutrition. I certainly remember having lectures on malnutrition, mm-hmm. you know, and we, you know, talk about that for a few hours and stuff. But really, day to day nutrition, you know, we we kind of just put into the, these are our national guidelines. Yep. People who aren't healthy because of you know are, are, are overweight clearly aren't following the guidelines. If they did, they'd be of a normal weight. Yeah. Well, I tried it didn't work <laughs> it just didn't work for me and so this, this is the this is really why we're in a bit of a mess probably in the UK in that most illnesses uh, most chronic illnesses we can relate them all to something we call metabolic syndrome so whether that be cancer whether that be diabetes whether it goes on and on Alzheimer's whether that be heart attacks all have an element to do with the food we eat and yet you know very few people really understand about the food mm. we eat. So there's your story. You're in a chalet. You see somebody <laughs> eating butter in their coffee. Must have been so ailing to you at yeah. that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd, I'd heard about it. Mm-hmm. I'd heard about what what has been branded bulletproof coffee. Some people call it butter coffee. Some people call it keto coffee. And I was curious. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's it's good to be curious. And it actually, 
it probably saved my life. Mm-hmm. Like I, that that sounds like a really uh, you know overblown statement, but mm-hmm. it, it has it's changed the course of my life physically. Yep. It's changed the course of how I practice medicine. It's how I think about disease completely. Yeah. I wouldn't be here talking to you yeah. if I hadn't met that guy at that point. I don't think anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and just being willing to actually question, start questioning everything. And I've been questioning everything ever since, you know, how we manage type two diabetes, why we do, why are we, why are we recommending people who are intolerant to carbohydrates yep. to eat a high carbohydrate diet? It's absolutely crazy to me. Thankfully, we're now starting to see some changes. Mm-hmm. I've gone completely off topic, but the American Diabetic Association have started to uh, are starting to embrace low carb mm-hmm. uh, as a treatment for diabetes. So actually, all these questioning that I was doing a few years ago is now being borne out. Yeah, and great. so it's absolutely fantastic to start to see these big changes actually coming through, hopefully into the mainstream within the next few years. Because I thought this wasn't going to be something I'd see change of in my lifetime, really. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll come quick, because my dad's 79, diabetic type two, mm. um, his doctor is still saying, oh, just a balanced diet. Mm. And it's I'm saying to my dad, well, you know, you're injecting yourself with insulin to deal with sugar and carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. How about you slowly reduce your sugar and carbohydrates, slowly re- reduce them, the amount of insulin you need, so eventually you don't need it. And he's like, no, that's what I'm told. So we do need this fundamental change, and we do need governments to get uh, on the bandwagon mm. and, and, and really understand what's going on with food. Uh, in layman terms, then, teach us quickly the difference between the macronutrients and you know the carbs, the proteins, the fat. Because some people listening, let's go sort of 101 macronutrients. What does the body use each for? Because again, we're still at the moment told we need a balance of all three. Uh, let's see where this conversation goes by breaking down the macronutrients. Okay, we're going to start with the two essential macronutrients. And the first, so what I mean by essential is we need to take them in. We can't make them within our bodies, okay? Mm -hmm. And the first is protein. Yep. Okay, we can't, certain proteins we can make within our body, Mm -hmm. and the building blocks for protein are called amino acids. Uh, and we can make certain ones of those within our body, but some we can't. So they are it's an essential nutrient that we have to take into our bodies. Um, so protein, that can be from anything from meat, mm-hmm. meat and fish, uh, through to legumes, peas, things yep. like that, and other sources of, of protein. Um, but you know, mainly in meat, you get a balanced mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of protein that our bodies can use. So that's used for repair. Basically, mm-hmm. building and repair is a simple way to look at it. Um, it can be used for energy in certain circumstances, but mainly building blocks of, of life, really. Yep. Um, so, fats. Mm-hmm. Fats are, again, most of our, our, our body is made up of a lot of fat. The brain is a lot of fat. Yeah. Uh, and fat, you know, we've been very, very shy about fat mm-hmm. over the last kind of 40 years, but actually a lot of our body is made up of fat, and fat is an essential nutrient. We mm-hmm. can't make these fatty acids within our body, so we need to take them in. Mm-hmm. So actually, cutting fat out of your diet is a very, very unwise thing to do. Well, if you cut it, if you were able to cut it out completely, you die basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you need it yeah. as part of your day-to-day life in order to 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 
do all these essential processes within our body, mm -hmm. all those chemical reactions that are going on, the surface of our cells, the bra our brain, our in, you know, fat is integral to yep. life. Mm -hmm. Carbohydrates are number three, macronutrient. This is not an essential macronutrient, no matter what. If you ever read someone who says that we need carbohydrates, you can pretty much discount everything they've said after that point. And I see it all the time. Yep. So you, let me get, I was reading one thing the other day. Let me get this clear. We need carbohydrates. We don't need carbohydrates. There is, you can and you could mm -hmm. go for the rest of your life without consuming a single carbohydrate and you would have no ill effects from that. And there are communities that do that. Yeah, we think absolutely. About the Inuits, we think about the Eskimos that, that just survive off fat and protein. And mm. places I go to in Africa, you know, there is no carbohydrates. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't need carbohydrates. Now, that's not to say practical day-to-day -day living, we're not going to consume some carbohydrates, but it's very, very clear that we don't need them. And we were always told with the Eat Well Guide and mm -hmm. uh, that we actually need carbohydrates as our main source of energy. It's not true. Mm -hmm. So you can, if you restrict carbohydrates down or eliminate them completely, uh, get all your energy that you need to live from fats and protein. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And uh, some people say, well, that must be wrong because uh, all carbohydrates turn into sugar, and I've heard that we need some sugar in the body. The fact is, if you are not taking in carbohydrates, the body can turn protein quite easily also into the sugar it needs for certain parts of the body that need glucose as energy. Uh, and just a, a great one I heard the other day uh, from Zoe Har Dr. Zoe Harkham. She said, an easy way to look at it is like this. Uh, if what you are eating once had a face on it, it is predominantly fat and protein, mm -hmm. If what you're eating didn't have a face on it, and of course it's natural, we're not talking about packaged food, so we're talking broccoli and veg and so on. So if what you were eating didn't have a, a face on it, it's pretty much carbohydrate, carbohydrates and protein. So mm -hmm. it's a, a good way of looking at it. And uh, we just talked about some of those the cut off communities uh, that, that don't have hardly any carbs. I was with a Maasai. Uh, a few years back when I was obese like yourself mm -hmm. and uh, I was obese but trying not to be as I think we both spent most of our life being yep. obese and not trying not to be we're not lazy in any way we just were doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. so I was obese from about mid-20s to, to 51 years old anyway I'm with the Maasai and I get up one early, early one morning and I go out the compound and I go jogging and uh, all the security guards chasing after me, and I thought, oh, I'm a hero here. It's because I'm going to get chased by a lion, but apparently they worried about the elephants crushing me, which is nowhere near as you know, exciting and all that. <laughs> but um, they were worried about that. And then in the afternoon, I was with the Maasai, and we're sitting around, and they catch a goat, and they, they, they cook the goat, and they bring it over to me, and I pull all the fat off. And this Maasai said to me, in quite good English, he said, ah, I think I understand. You go that running in the morning, and you take the fat off so you can be big, big bloke. And I went, no, completely the opposite. I go running in the morning and take the fat off so I can look like you do, slender, lean, and strong. He said, he turns around to me in broken English, he said, it not working. <laughs> <laughs> it not working, Mr. Betty, it not working. And, and, there, and there's the point, you know, there's these Maasai that are predominantly just fat, fat, fat with some protein and, mm. uh, and looking great and, and so on and so forth. So the point that we're both saying is, you do not need carbohydrates. And two, two groups of people in particular that would benefit massively from reducing carbohydrates are those that are overweight and want to lose weight. 
the number one easy way to lose weight, not easy, that's playing it down a bit, but the, 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 the thing you have to understand if you want to lose weight is you have to cut the carbohydrates. It's the only real way, sustainable way. And the second one is if you're diabetic, you would massively, especially diabetes type 2, not so much 1, but if you're diabetic type 2, you would massively benefit working with your GP and dropping the amount of medication you're on slowly in line with dropping the carbohydrates to hopefully, eventually, you put uh, your diabetes type 2 in remission. Yeah. And uh, that's fantastic. So, carb dodging. Um, let's look at some carb dodging techniques, shall mm-hmm. we? Where should we start? So, yeah, I mean, very, very simple meal choices, really. Mm-hmm. Um, lunch is a, an easy one. There's a reason salads have become the archetypal health food really mm-hmm. but actually a lot of a lot of salads these days suddenly seem to get pasta in them when you buy them over the, <laughs> the counter which i'm not really sure is uh, is actually it's, i think that's kind of missing the point yeah really. but all uh, loads of potatoes in there all loads of, yeah. of dressings on them yeah, all, yeah yeah absolutely and i have no issue with dressings um, as long as they're not full of sugar but yeah. we've got this this epidemic of low fat dressings yeah. which are high usually high sugar mm-hmm. dressings but actually Take the anatomy of a, a salad. You've got some sort of green leaf in there, whether mm-hmm. that's lettuce or spinach or something like that. Absolutely great. We all need to, well, ideally, get some vitamins and minerals, yep. and that's a great source of them. Yep. Very little carbohydrate in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, mainly water and vitamins and minerals. You're going to have probably some protein source in there. If you're like me, when I was losing my diet, it's predominantly chicken mm-hmm. uh, not that i'm saying that's the only choice uh, fish is an also really good one in there and you often have something like cheese mm-hmm. maybe um, some other vegetables maybe like peppers or tomatoes and then some sort of dressing mm-hmm. okay and a simple dressing is just oil yep. and vinegar yeah and you know really you've essentially got a really good moderate protein yep low carbohydrate mm-hmm. and the rest of it is fat yep and so you're getting fat from you know choosing uh fattier cuts of meat like chicken thighs rather than chicken breasts um, you're getting the fat from the dressing and mm-hmm. you're getting it in a clean way because it's something like um olive oil based mm-hmm. uh, and you're getting potentially fat from cheese if you choose to put some cheese in there yeah and that really was pretty much what I ate in one form or, or another mm-hmm. for lunch every day, just mixing and matching the meats, yep. changing out the vegetables, mm-hmm. changing out the, the cheese, changing the type of dressing for the six months which it took me to lose all the weight. Mm-hmm. It's typically what I eat for lunch on a day-to-day basis now as well. And in some ways, that that is it is carb dodging, but that's mm. a carb dodging that a lot of people probably no already but the tricks there are don't put potatoes in on Mm -hmm. the salad because they're starch and starch turns into sugar in Mm -hmm. the body Uh, definitely don't put your salad on a bed of rice because Mm -hmm. rice turns into so much sugar in the body it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. it's just unbelievable the amount that be careful on the dressing let's also sidestep one little bit about this low-fat nonsense because it's driving me nuts at the moment because you still see lorries going up oh, down nuts, the motorway. nuts i do put some nuts in there as well i like <laughs> what you did there that's good so put some nuts in <laughs> nuts are great um 
But the thing that's driving me nuts about this low fat thing at the moment is it's so completely wrong for our health to go low fat yogurt, low fat this, low fat cheese, low fat everything. Because the second something becomes low fat, that means it's been altered by man because mm-hmm. it was never intended in things like yogurt to be low fat. But if you take the fat out, you have to put something in. So if you're at 0% low fat or, or no fat yogurt well mm. what have they put in they can only have put in either more carbs or more, more protein then put more protein in because it, it, it gets really expensive yep. it's full of sugar and it's sugar that makes you fat so this whole and this is this is the bit that really gets me angry and i think this is the reason why i wrote the first book in the the last 10 years of me being obese i i got me so down and so annoyed and so upset and so scared about my health and yet I was buying low fat everything. Mm. You know, I was going to the supermarket myself because I didn't completely trust my wife to go and do it for me because she's got the perfect, you know, slender body. So I'd go down and go low fat, low fat, low fat, low fat, everything. Mm. And yet I was getting fatter and fatter and fatter because of course, while it was low fat, it was high in sugar. Mm. And yet fat isn't bad as long as it's natural fat. So easiest thing to work out on fat, I think when I'm teaching people, and I hope you agree with this, that actually doesn't matter too much whether it's saturated, polyunsaturated, unsaturated, all those things don't matter as long as they are real natural fats. Mm. The only fats that got fat a bad reputation and you have to avoid, and it's getting easier to avoid now because of some regulations, is all those man-made fats, those dangerous chemically enhanced trans fats and hydrogenated fats that, that are very, very dangerous indeed. But other than that, all natural fats, healthy as anything. Yeah, I think what I'd I think what I'd say is, if a fat has been chemically produced, uh, so your vegetable oils and things that have been created under high pressure, so, you know, I I would definitely agree with you, the trans fats are an absolute no-no, thankfully, largely out of our diet these days because of regulation. But you'll still see a lot of vegetable oils, uh, rapeseed oil, those kind of things. If they're cold-pressed, like you can get cold-pressed rapeseed oil, but it's a lot more expensive than the cheaper stuff, mm-hmm. which is high pressure industrially produced, yes. which is causes a lot of inflammation yeah. within the body when we consume it. I definitely want to stay away from those. So just to uh, recap on that, uh, it's all in uh, my book, Primal Cure, if you've got that. If not, uh, uh, have a look. Uh, I think we've mentioned them all on the website. So what Dan is saying is some oils that sound healthy and should be healthy, mm-hmm. the thing that makes them unhealthy is the process of extracting the oils because they're using chemicals to get the oils out and the other one that drives me absolutely mad did the same for me when i was in the jewelry industry where swarovski crystal called their products crystal but they were glass and to be crystal has to have a crystal structure they built a two billion industry out of confusing everybody with what they're calling their product a crystal when it isn't a crystal Mm. Um, and it's like the the thing in this industry that does exactly the same anybody that calls their oil vegetable oil drives me mad because it ain't made of vegetables (laughs) it's get this right right vegetable oil is not a healthy choice because vegetable oil is not made from vegetables go for your proper oils go for uh, your coconut oils go for your avocado oils go for and I mean, there's just so many great oils, olive oils, and just yeah, that's yeah. what we want. And then the meat-based fats. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What lard would be healthy? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's great to cook with. Yeah. If yeah. you've not, if you know, obviously my my grandma's generation and stuff, they used to cook with lard as the as yeah. the routine. But actually, uh, you know, you still can buy it in the yeah. supermarkets, and I recommend trying it because it tastes amazing. Yeah, lard <laughs> and ghee, which is used for a lot of flavouring in Indian uh, curries, is is a butter, 
uh, that has, has, has been um, processed, but processed in a natural way to make it more dense. And ghee is absolutely incredible. The one that always, uh, one of my, what, this, this used to be a guilty pleasure for me. So my brother taught me to make pate about 15 years ago. Mm. And we'd have it twice a year, we'd have it at Easter, we'd have it at Christmas. And I would consume lots of it, but feeling really guilty because there was so much butter in it, mm. I thought it was so unhealthy. Only to find out, I didn't have to worry about it because actually pate made with lots of butter, as long as it's natural organic butter, yeah. it's so healthy because it's a healthy fat. Yeah, and I can definitely vouch for Steve's pate. Ah, thank if you ever get a chance to try it. <laughs> so, uh, and the recipe is in is, is in Primal Gourmet. Uh, so, what, so, what, before we move on from the fats thing, yeah. watch out for blends. Okay. okay? So, ghee, particularly, mm -hmm. you can get two types of ghee, typically in the supermarket. You can get one that is pure butter ghee, yeah. and you can get one that is cut, basically, with vegetable oil. Okay. That. Yeah. So you have to be very, very careful. And you know, we're talking about things like switch to olive oil and stuff. If you you see a lot of the mayonnaises, they're like, oh, this one's olive oil now. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. They've used a tiny bit of olive oil yeah. and a whole lot of vegetable oil to make it. So yeah. the only way to really make mayonnaise, unless you, and there are some specialist brands, Hunter and Gatherer making avocado mayonnaise, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some, and there are you can find specialist brand stuff, but the, the best way really is to make it make yourself. Your yeah. It's very, very easy. And I know you've got, and I know you've got a recipe for that in the, in the book as well. So yeah. it's such an easy thing to make. Uh, and I definitely recommend that's the cleanest way yeah. to avoid all the rubbish that they put in mayonnaise. Isn't it so sad that you have to read beyond the label? Mm. There are so many brands, both in the pharmaceutical world and the medical world that uh, sorry, pharmaceutical and the food industries that play on words. So they'll tell you, uh, oh, this is organic, but actually when you read through the, the contents, it's only that one thing that's organic mm. and all the rest isn't. Yeah, so just yeah. really got to do your homework yeah. and start to read behind those labels. I didn't know that about ghee. Yeah. I just, I've never even checked a ghee label. I yeah. just go buy it and never look. So yeah. I'll yeah. have a look at that. In You'll future. see there's two prices, but you know, one will be a very different price from the other because actually pure butter is more expensive. Yeah. Don't use much of it, to be honest. So mm -hmm. it's, I think it's a really good uh, way to go, but you will see that uh, that yeah, there's two different prices for ghee. But yeah, just because something's made with olive oil doesn't mean it wasn't made with a load of other rubbish as well. Great advice. So overall, we're saying you need fat, you have to have fat, it's essential. If you don't, we die, so you have to eat fats. You're doing it right now already, but just make sure the fats that you are eating are natural fats. You have to have protein, because that's the building block of life. And out of this, there's something like 20 different protein breaks down into what we call amino acids. There's 21, 22, depending on who, which expert you speak to and what they classify as an amino acid. But there are eight or nine, again, depending on who you talk to, that are what we call essential, which means the body can't create them. We have to get those eight or nine essential amino acids through the food we eat. So you need good sources of protein, you need good sources of fat, quality natural fats, but you don't need any carbohydrates. Um, I'm going to start now then by carb dodging, which you are Mr. Carb Dodging, uh, with, and by the way, he's an amazing chef. He's an amazing, amazing chef. If you haven't gone to carbdodging.com, go and have a look. There's over a hundred uh, recipes that Dr. Dan Mags has got on there. It's a brilliant, brilliant website. And uh, I will confess that there is one on there that, that, well, in fact, there are two that you've got there that I, have, I won't say stolen because you put them up there for us all to use, but I've learned them off by heart so much that they're my go-to breakfast, my go-to uh, 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 lunch. So uh, there's one on there to make egg muffins and use a muffin tray 
And for those that you're trying to teach to be primal, they are just absolutely fabulous. Uh, and then one that I would have thought was impossible to do until you really taught me about uh, how to ditch rice completely. Uh, and I thought this would never work, but he does this Spanish paella, but takes the rice out and puts cauliflower in that is just incredible. Mm. Just incredible. Now, we're going to go, let's start on, in fact, let's go to rice because, and cauliflower, here's a carb dodger for you. Rice is unbelievable in how much sugar that turns into inside the body. A small bowl of 150 grams of rice will turn into more sugar inside your body than two cans of Coca-Cola. It's just incredible, those tiny little grains, how if you're sensitive to sugar, if you're overweight, if you are uh, obese or have diabetes, it can be the rice that's keeping you there. And mm. for me, the thing, well, again, I got into this whole thing because I was angry. Yeah, mm. I was so angry once I learned about low carb. Mm. Why, you know, I'd been lied to and everything I thought I knew about food was keeping me fat, even though I was trying everything not to be fat for 20 plus years. And rice, what I'd do with rice, I'd have that at the base and I'd put loads of healthy stuff on top thinking, and I'd stay fat and get mm. fatter and fatter and it was probably the rice that was doing it and not the main meal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I talk us through all the ways you cook your rice in, my friend, because you are Mr. Carb-dodging rice expert. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really simple one, actually, but it is one that you can, you know, if you've not tried it before, it's an easy one to kind of mess up and actually make it go, I'm never having this again. So I'm always keen to, to do, teach people to do stuff the right way. Um, I use a... Um, a blender, yep. Okay, and just short pulses, mm -hmm. short pulses until it gets to all gets to an even consistency. Don't try and do too much at once. It's yep. far better to do two batches for a whole cauliflower than one. Uh, don't do it too fine, else it just yep. goes into slop. Then you can maybe turn it into cauliflower mash. But uh, I've yeah, done that once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bailed out, got it wrong, and then this looks more like mash. Yeah, uh, keep going just, till it is mash. Just make it into mash. <laughs> um, yeah, and that is that is. But that's also very very tasty. Yep. Um, but yeah, so keep it and just experiment with the, the chunks. You'll get a feel for it. Uh, I like to roast it. If I'm just going to have it on the side with some, um, you know, have it a curry or something and I'm yep. replacing that, then I will just roast it. Just put it in a, on a roasting tray, mm -hmm. put a bit of ghee in there. Yep. Just roast it probably about 20 minutes on 180 degrees and just turn it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Just make sure it's not burning. That's a great way. It really brings out some of the flavor that you do get with the cauliflower as well. Uh, and I really, really enjoy it like that. Yeah. But you don't need to. I mean, I think there's this mindset that we also, especially when people start to go low carb, it's direct replacements. Okay. Yep. You don't really need to eat curry with rice. You don't really need yep. to eat, you know, whatever. You know, you don't really need to eat your spaghetti I think with, bol uh, with, uh, with pasta. I think you're right, Dan, but on the flip side of the coin, until I knew about cauliflower rice, mm. you know, for the first year or so that when I got into being primal and, mm. and you know, carb dodging, I did exactly what you just said. You know, every single meal we had yeah. ended up being on a bed of spinach every, yeah. or, 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 or watercress or something like that. Yeah. And eventually that can get a little bit boring. Yeah, yeah. And also when your friends come round, yeah. they're so used to having everything on rice yeah. that when all, all of a sudden I got introduced by yourself to cauliflower rice, it was just like, Wow, this has just changed everything for yeah, me. Yeah. And just to recap on, on, on what Dr. Dan has just said, those are the two main tips. Don't put too much cauliflower in your blender at once. Yeah. Just literally half the cauliflower 
at a time and just keep pressing it and pulsing it just literally one or two seconds one or two seconds and just keep your eyes open and just keep looking at it till it looks like rice yeah then take it all out put it in the bowl put your other half in and what you'll find in the half you're taking out of, of, of your, your, your chopper there might be one or two bits haven't yet chopped up we'll just chuck that bit back in again but don't overdo it yeah otherwise it doesn't look like rice it doesn't taste like rice but then like you said then stick it in the oven or you can put it in the fryer uh and it and it's just and here's the key thing is once you come off eating rice we're going to pasta in a minute as well but they are boring mm. there is no flavor in rice or pasta i used to think there was yeah, it's just texture yeah it's just, just texture. texture really yeah. that adds to the meal and we we do it because we're used to it. But mm. this is a tip that I learned from from David Unwin. You know, why do you, you know, your, it's your bolognese sauce that's the flavour. Yeah. Why not just have it over vegetables yeah. instead of over uh, over pasta? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and actually you can substitute that out and you can spiralise courgette or zucchini if there's any, any American listeners yeah. and make courgette or zoodles. Yeah. Um, and actually... That's great, yeah. but you don't need to have it over that. So mm-hmm. I think you know that's one of the mind switches that come, mindset switches that comes a little bit later on when you've been low carb for a while. It's actually, you know, we're only making these meals in this way because we've always done it. And yep. We don't actually need to do it like this. Mm-hmm. So I really like cauliflower just chunked up, mm-hmm. and again roasted off in the same way. It takes ten seconds to prepare a cauliflower into chunks, yep. and actually just shove it in the oven. Twenty yep. minutes later, you've got amazing roasted cauliflower yeah. chunks yeah and it tastes amazing really cauliflower steaks yeah. just chop it up into slices yeah. also works really really well so yeah these are just kind of you know different ways you yeah. can make it interesting and don't see me do this <laughs> it's so bizarre we get to switzerland quite a lot uh, skiing and holidaying and uh sort of like go to holiday place with the children and uh uh, if you're in Switzerland, you have to have a cheese fondue, but mm-hmm. you know, cheese fondue always served with bread. So I'll go in the restaurant the day before, tell them to get a cauliflower in for me. They're like, oh, just bought me a cauliflower, and I use cauliflower even in the cheese fondue because it just tastes fantastic. It holds the cheese really well. Um, and of course, the key thing with rice, other than it being just totally bad for you if you're trying to lose weight or a diabetic, there's no nutritional value whatsoever. It just, yeah, carbohydrates rarely come with nutritional value. It's just, energy, 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 sugar, 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 sugar. Whereas I've just got in front of me a list of the benefits of cauliflower. It's full of vitamin C, vitamin K, folate, vitamin B5. It's full of omega-3. And it just goes, the list goes on and on and on of the benefits of, of switching out your rice. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is why a lot of cereals, you'll see they're fortified with vitamins and minerals. Mm. Remember, it was always part of the advertising, mm-hmm. such and such, fortified with vitamins and minerals, because there isn't any vitamins and minerals in there, yeah. because it's stripped out as part of the processing. Yeah. I mean, white rice, white rice is a cultural thing, yeah. um, whereas it was kind of seen that the, you know, the higher classes mm-hmm. would eat white rice because yeah. they could afford to have the extra processing phase bleached and cleaned yeah, and, and cleaned. washed to death yeah. quite polished yeah uh, polish off the husks of course mm. the husks is where all the fiber and all the nutrition is yes. but actually it's very very difficult and it, to get cultures to actually switch from rice white rice back to um to brown rice which actually if you're going to make if you're not ready to go full on low carb it's an easy switch to make yeah tastes 
much more interesting, mm -hmm. far more nutritious, and mm -hmm. isn't just energy on its own. Yeah, you're still going to have the energy in there, but it's going to be mixed up with a load of fiber and stuff as well. So that's definitely, if you're not going to go low carb, it's definitely a, a switch to make. Mm -hmm. Just take out some of the processing that's gone on there. Brilliant, brilliant advice. So you can switch your rice for cauliflower. Mm -hmm. Another one you taught me as well, and I'd never uh, seen anybody use a spiralizer until yep. you came in and demonstrated it. Uh, you, you can buy spiralizers, or if you haven't got a spiralizer at home, you can just buy it now in the supermarkets, already cut into spaghetti mm -hmm. long shapes. But you get your courgette, and it's great to watch. A bit of theatre as well when your friends come around. The machine's only like £20, but you put your courgette on, you wind it, and at the end comes spaghetti looking, well, Spaghetti-looking courgette or courgette-looking spaghetti, which yeah. is the right one is. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. But other really easy ways are if you've just got one of those speed peelers, mm -hmm. you can just shave it off and it's into into strips. Yeah, there's a, an easy way if you haven't got a spiralizer, and there's actually little handheld ones that are even cheaper than cheaper than the one you mentioned. But um, but yeah, it's a really easy way. You can spiralize all sorts of things. Spiralize beetroot is fantastic. Really, as well. Yeah, Never really done good. That. Yeah, well, I have to uh, bring that in one time. So we've, we've done the carb dodging then with the rice. We've done the carb dodging, go cauliflower into rice, or uh, and we've also done sort of pasta equivalents. Um, you just hit the word beetroot because that was one of the things I was never a big fan of. And uh, I said to my brother, he went, oh, you've got to like that being prime. I went, look, yeah, there's always one exception to the rule. He said, let me make you some beetroot crisps and see what you think of mm. these. So we did, and they were absolutely amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So by slicing up, dicing up beetroot nice and thinly, then baking them in the oven. and Or kale crisps. If you've never made kale crisps yourself, they're quite exciting. They're full of goodness and nutrition and, and so on and so forth. Take like crisp without being crispy. Kale crisps are exciting. I bet you never thought you were going to say I that never. five years ago. <laughs> so true my kids are getting there now they yeah, really really are getting there so um cutting down the carbs so we've covered the fact that we were both obese we were both doing what we were told to do previously one being a doctor i'd class myself i suppose for the last 20 years as an adventurer doing like you know uh, super super crazy things like going to the north pole and things like that um so a gp an adventure both obese but both I guess you were exercising all the time, still trying to work out why you were I, that way. To, yeah, I mean, you know, I skiing and I was certainly was skiing. I wasn't very good at it, partly because I was quite significantly overweight. Um, I had certainly tried to establish exercise, good exercise habits. You know, I was doing a 10k at least once a year and training for that. I was getting into park runs. So mm -hmm. I was, you know, trying to do running. I was attending a martial arts class at mm -hmm. least. Well, at least once a week, uh, sometimes twice, which is you know good an hour and a half of quite intense wow. exercise, and you know just really not getting anywhere. In fact, yeah. I was still gaining weight because you you come out of it and you think, oh well, I've exercised, haven't yes. I? I can have a <laughs> chocolate bar or, or, or a whatever, so, yeah. or a sports drink, yeah, full sports of sugar drinks, or, absolutely. Or, or. So, you know, I, I you know I'm not saying I've certainly got anything like the exercise habit I have now, yeah. but I had tried hard to mm -hmm. establish an exercise habit. I was tired. Yeah, I was physically tired. I would half want to go and sleep in the afternoons, uh, and you know I'd be reaching for the biscuits that come four o'clock just to give me an energy to yep. get through to the end of my shift yep. and end of my clinic because otherwise I'd be falling asleep in front of patients. And that is not something that is a good look as a deep GP <laughs> when you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation and you're starting to drop, drop off. off yeah. uh, it's just you don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just don't do so it. I think so what we're saying is, you know. 
you can't out exercise a poor diet. No, no. You just can't. So, and I think this is where I feel robbed and feel cheated over the years. In that I was always told, well, it's calories in, it's calories out. So my thing was, well, okay, well, I won't change what I'll eat. I'll just exercise and exercise more. Mm. But the thing you find, isn't it, when you exercise more, then you need more energy. Yeah, so therefore, you eat more calories. And, and because sugar turns into energy or carbohydrates turns into energy faster, the thing the body tells you to go and get when you're in it until you kick the carbs mm-hmm. uh, uh, is carbs, isn't it? That's what it's mm. telling you to go and eat and consume. Yeah, I mean, we naturally, you know, we evolve to like sweet stuff. We evolve to want carbohydrates because when they are available yep. in the wild, if you take it back to primal man, when they are available in the wild, well, yeah, you're going to want to consume them because mm-hmm. it's a rare thing and they are high energy. Yep. That doesn't mean we should be consuming them all the time. Yep. You know, I always remember going back to, there was one um, one of the, the documentaries on the BBC, it was Humans, I think, Human Planet, that was mm-hmm. it. And they talked about, it was talking about different tribal cultures. Uh, and one of the times they were like, oh, there's a, you know, it's um, David Attenborough saying, oh, and there's been a rare find of honey, mm-hmm. okay? Well, and you see these guys and they are climbing up the the tree to get to the bee's nest and knock yep. it down and they're getting stung and, yep. you know, every it's a big event within this tribal community that they found a bee's nest and they've got honey. It's not every day spreading it on your toast. Yes. Okay? Yep. And I think people need to remember that, that fruit, mm-hmm. yeah, we get fruit in the supermarkets all the time because it's imported from all over the world. But when do you actually see fruit yeah. out local? Well, you get berry crop, don't you? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes during the year, you might get a crop during the autumn. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be consuming fruit all year round. Yeah. And even is the fruit that we have these days, you know, have you seen the size of some blueberries? <laughs> They're just absolutely huge. They're yeah. like the size of pound coins. Yeah. Blueberries aren't naturally that big. You know, a lot of the fruits that we have have had a lot of the fibre stripped out of them. If anybody was interested, just go and Google um, what fruits used to look like and actually see a wild banana and the amount of fibre in it. You wouldn't want to eat one. It's just, it's crazy. They're not, they wouldn't be sweet. They would have a load more fibre in them. Um, And so actually what fruit is these days is not what we've evolved eating. I mean, I'll, I'll pick on two things there. Yeah, you just think about evolution. So fruit in most countries only came out in the autumn. So what we had to do was we'd go and gorge and gorge and gorge and gorge on that fruit because there was no fridges for, for cavemen. And the reason we'd gorge on it, human nature would then mean that we'd get fat because it's all sugar, mm. which meant we could get through the winter without eating a lot at all mm. because you're not going to catch many animals and you certainly can't harvest anything in the winter. But there is a hormone that tells you to stop eating called leptin. Now, whether it be by design, by nature, by God or whatever, leptin couldn't work properly with carbohydrates because otherwise if you'd have three apples, it'd tell you to stop eating. Mm. So the point is this, when you eat loads of protein and fats, a hormone tells the brain you're full, so you stop eating, so you don't eat as much. But with sugar, it doesn't work so well because if it did, we would never have gorged on all that fruit and therefore we'd never have got through the winter months. The key thing is sugar makes us fat. Fruit makes us fat if we have too much of it. Next thing quickly, then on the berries one is quite interesting. In fact, on all fruit, 
why do we have fruit? If you ask one of your patients, why do we consume a lot of fruit? What do you think the main reason they would come up with? They've been told it's healthy. And in particular, what's healthy about fruit? Um, a lot of fiber. Fiber, yeah. Nutrition. Nutrition. Um, most can say antioxidants, I would have thought okay. up there. Okay. Yeah, so a yeah. bit of fiber, definitely. A um, bit of other vitamins and minerals, but antioxidant antioxidants, I certainly was what I used to believe. But if it's not organic, there's a big study recently on blueberries. A organic blueberry will have nine times more antioxidants than a one that's not organic. Mm. And the, the theory goes something like this. You spray a pesticide over a blueberry, mm -hmm. it sits there and relaxes and goes, I don't need to build any defences because something's just been sprayed on me. I don't have to need to develop any antioxidants at all. And therefore I can grow nice and big so I can concentrate on growing rather than defending. Mm. Whereas back to your thing about them, really they should be smaller. If you don't spray them in pesticides, all the antioxidants develop and develop and develop, therefore they're much better for you. So with fruit, fruit is good, but always where you can go organic. And if you're trying to lose weight, other than your berries, it might not be a good time to eat the bananas and the oranges. In fact, weren't we at a conference the other day? Mm -hmm. And the, first, some of the biggest speakers in the world were giving their speeches. And the poor banana, I think, got nailed in every single speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's become a bit of a running joke. But actually, it's so true. A, a banana, you don't think of it as being high in sugar, but when it breaks down in, within your body, you know, if you're a diabetic, that's it, banana can be quite disastrous for your blood glucose control. Mm. And actually, you are, you, you are, if if you are diabetic, I'd recommend, and you do eat bananas. Take your blood glucose before you eat the banana, then about an hour afterwards, and actually see the rise. Uh, yep. It's quite shocking. It's mm -hmm. quite shocking. But yeah, um, I hundred percent agree. Fruit in of itself is not bad. Yeah. Uh, but if you are trying to lose weight, then it's definitely one of those areas that may not be as useful to your weight loss goals as you have been perhaps told. Yeah. Some of the good fruits that don't have a lot of carbs and that, that normally. Some, when they say things are too good to be true, that they're normally right, but the good old strawberries are one of the best ones. It mm. tastes so sweet, and yet there's hardly any sugar in it. Uh, and then all the other ones, the blueberries, the blackberries, the raspberries. Berries, mm. berries, berries are, uh, are fantastic, but then just be careful on the others. You know, Yes, you need vitamin C, but maybe you don't need to get it from oranges. Get it from bell peppers or mm. from supplements. Or you know, There's five times more vitamin C in a yellow bell pepper than there is in an orange. So that, you know, there are other places you can get your good nutrition. Absolutely. So let's have some more, uh, let's finish off on a couple more maybe carb dodging techniques. So we've talked about getting rid of rice with cauliflower, we've talked about getting rid of pasta. What about the day when you just want a bit of bread? Is there any alternatives to bread? I, there are. There are, and actually, if you go on YouTube, there's lots of different videos of people making different low-carb breads. I've never had a huge amount of success with baking. I don't actually have, I only have one low-carb loaf on my website. Um, uh, and I don't do a lot of low-carb baking, but a lot of people swear by it, mm -hmm. really do. Um, you know, we'll, we'll switch in, you know, all sorts of brownies and cookies and all that kind of stuff. And, and actually, yeah, you can still have chocolate. It's just yep. not full of sugar chocolate. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there are lots of sweet treats and stuff that you can have on a low carb diet. 
I tend to go along the thought theory of actually, you know, once you don't have these things in your diet, once you don't have the sweet foods, once you don't have the bread, a lot of people don't end up missing it as much as mm -hmm. they think they would. Yeah. Um, so don't necessarily feel the need to replace it. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just a different way of eating and just thinking about food. But yeah, there are absolutely some really great low-carb bread recipes out there. I think what you're saying, I 100% agree with you. I personally don't miss the bread, so mm. I don't need it. Problem I've got with my, my children, some of the younger ones, I've got friends coming around. Unless I've got something that looks like a, you know, a dessert or looks like a chocolate bar, yeah. uh, then then I'm not in good favour. Yeah. So I have to have some alternative uh, mm. to you know, the, the, the sugary sweets. Yeah, and, and so they, are so definitely, they are definitely there yeah. uh, and definitely doable and definitely be possible to eat you know, desserts and you know, it's relatively sweet treats as part of a low carb diet mm -hmm. for, so especially for that, getting involved with your family and stuff. But, but actually I found that, and, it, and it, we, we know that after about a week, I think it's six days of not eating any sugar, yep. your taste buds will readjust. They do. And actually, if you ever, if you ever go and go low carb and go low sugar and then go back to it mm -hmm. after a week, you'll be surprised just how sweet everything tastes yeah it's absolutely yeah. crazy that you just don't realize that that you got so accustomed to everything sweet and actually i think you start to appreciate flavors in food more yeah and it's not just it, you know you wouldn't you start to appreciate the subtleties and it's not just ah, oh, that's really sweet yeah james uh, gornick uh, dr james gornick who's in the other week who's one of the top dentists in the uk he was saying that the number one admission into hospital for five-year-olds six-year-olds seven-year-olds eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds in the UK is to have teeth pulled out. Mm. And he said the number one driver, he said people start to realise now as parents that Coca-Cola is not good for you and all the fizzy pops are bad because they're so acidic. Mm -hmm. People start to realise that actually orange juice and apple juice are full of sugar. He says what people don't really realise though is how quickly bread turns into sugar. And I went, well, surely that can't affect the teeth, James. He went, no, it absolutely does. He said because the enzymes inside your mouth break down bread into sugar before you've even swallowed it. Mm. And I, I said, well, I'm struggling to get hold, uh, comprehend that. He said, okay, get home tonight, get a small bit of bread in your mouth and chew and chew and chew, don't swallow. And he said, within a minute, it'll be so sweet you spit it out. And he was so, so right. So not mm. just for your health, but also for your children's health, their, their teeth, you've got to cut down the bread. But we just brainwashed into it, I think. Mm. You know, my dad who's diabetic type two, on holiday with him a few weeks ago, Every single meal, he's starting to get the, the idea now about you know, eating a bit of salad and eating some good stuff. But without exception for a week, every meal I saw him reach for the bread roll. Mm. I'm just like, what bit don't you get? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cultural, isn't yeah. it? It's cultural. Yeah. We eat bread and potatoes with, with most meals. <laughs> you know, in, in Asia, they eat rice and noodles with most meals. It's, it's, a, it's an uphill struggle yeah. to, to achieve what we're trying to achieve because... You know, culture tells us yep. that that we this is what we we eat. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. We uh, the other day we had Dr. David Unwin in, and uh, he was teaching us about you know, how much sugar is in bread. Well, how how the body takes the bread and turns it into sugar. I'm not saying people stuff lots and lots of sugar in bread, although that does happen in some places. But all 
carbohydrates turn into sugar. All bread turns into sugar. So we went around the corner, we got a Subway. Uh, we asked for it without any uh, sauce on there. We just wanted the bread roll, told a bit of a, a fib. We said we got some cheese in the office and we just wanted a bread roll. We bought it back, we weighed it. And then we asked Dr. David Unwin to work out how much sugar that turned into. And the effect on the bloodstream in terms of the same effect of glucose was the equivalent of 15 sugar cubes mm. just on that foot long bit of bread, mm. which is the equivalent of about two cans of Coca-Cola. So, you know, how many times, I'm sure you've done it at home, I've done it with my children in the past before I became carb aware, you go, oh, well, let's have the salad in the subway. Mm. Because you don't realise it's the bread that's the bad bit. So you, you, might, you make the right choices on the filling, but not knowing that the bread's the equivalent of two cans of Coca-Cola. And I'd be very surprised if there wasn't a load of sugar added to that bread as well, mm -hmm. on top of the of the actual starchy content in it yep. as well. So, you know, particularly with those kind of breads and stuff, that it's not your natural sourdough kind of yep. thing, which again, breaks down to sugar, but a lot of them have got a lot of added sugar in. As well. Frightening. So I think, look, we're about 10 minutes to go. We, hopefully we've convinced most people that are listening today or, or watching the webcam version. Uh, um, maybe we've convinced you that you don't need carbohydrates. I hope we have. Uh, how two obese people sitting in a room together, well obese, uh, um, sitting in a room together have tried to do it down the exercise route and failed. Mm -hmm. Um, but by, by just and, and try to do it down the low fat route and zero fat this and low fat this and failed, have done it by reducing carbohydrates. And now nearly every conference we go to, and every doctor we see that's in the know, it's almost like everybody now is saying exactly the same thing mm. and we can't all be wrong. So we've got personal experience, we've got lots and lots of doctors agreeing right now. So maybe people are at home going, look, I'm overweight, or I'm obese, I want to give this a try. How do they give it a try? Because sugar and bread is addictive to start off with. I mean, what, what's the first few steps they could take? Have they got to go cold turkey or, or what's the answer, do you think? This is a great, great question. And actually, I think there's multiple routes towards it. I went cold turkey. I went, right, I came back off that holiday and I went bang. And I just completely changed my diet overnight. That worked for me. And the bonus of that is you actually see weight loss really quite quickly mm -hmm. and that is massively encouraging to keep going yes that that works with my psychology yeah okay other people are like well okay i'm going to cut the sugar down because that's fine and and actually they go and they'll cut the sugar down and they'll start to reduce their carbohydrates they might have you know half the amount of potatoes yeah and half the amount of pasta and half the amount of rice for a while and actually go down slowly but you don't start to see that initial mm -hmm. weight loss until and, 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 and isn't that just like saying to a smoker just cut down isn't that the same thing well maybe yeah that's yeah absolutely so but you don't tend to get so when you really do cut the carbs out fairly sharply you can get carb withdrawal symptoms mm -hmm. which aren't pleasant yeah uh, you can get headaches you can have problems sleeping they are temporary and quite treatable actually mm -hmm. you know with simple kind of over-the-counter medications for headaches sometimes you can have a bit of a change in bowel habit which again is because your body has been so used your, your bowels and all the bacteria yeah so used to consuming carbohydrates mm -hmm. as their main source of energy they're having yep. something different so you will expect a change in your bowel habit but the the, the flip side is if you do it slowly mm -hmm. you tend to get a much less you get much less in, mm -hmm. in the way of those symptoms just by reducing it down. 
but you're right. I personally, I find it it carbs are like a gateway drug. Yeah. To be honest, I am I'm pretty low carb the, the majority of the time. But if I do break and have you know mm-hmm. for whatever reason for whatever celebration or whatever gathering or something, and I do have some carbs, it's like the floodgates are opening. Yep. Is that how you feel? Well, I've, I, I, so the last month I've been doing some experiments with taking, I'm not uh, diabetic, but taking my own blood to see, because Dr. David and me said, look, just yeah, monitor yourself and see what effect a banana mm. has on bread. So I've been breaking my own carbs just to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but I've found now it's like an addiction's come back, and I won't, I won't go as far as bread, but if there's some chocolate in the fridge mm. and that the, the, yeah, maybe one of my children have got that shouldn't have got, but yeah, I'll just go and eat it. Yeah. Or the, the, one thing I've never got my kids to give up is ice cream, even though mm. I've got a fantastic low-carb ice cream that we make with coconut, but they still like their ice cream. And I'll go and eat it, and it's just like, my goodness, once you open that flood yeah. gate, you, 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 it is addiction. And I think you've got to... Here's the thing as well. If you're trying to lose weight, it is impossible to lose weight. There isn't, you can't lose it. It's not like, oh, it's just disappeared. You have to burn off that. All the fat that you have around here, especially around here, is, if you like, you've paid forward for, for food that your body can consume later on. You have to use this energy. You can't, can't lose it. You have to burn fat. Mm. And to burn fat, you have to stop burning sugar. Because while there is sugar in your system, whether that be in your liver, because when they restore it, or in your muscles, while there is sugar there, you can't get to this fat store. So I, I think if you want, it's exactly what you said a minute ago, Dr. Dan, that, that you lose weight so fast at the very, very beginning, because if you go cold turkey completely and cut the carbs out, all of a sudden you've taught your body how to start mm. burning fat. Mm. And that can happen within two or three days. Some people it takes a week. And, and while the body's learning to do that, that's the occasional time you get a, a headache or you, your bowel movements change a little bit mm. because you haven't yet, the body hasn't learned how to all of a sudden access the fat stores that you've got mm. um but once you learn to burn fat mm. it's amazing yeah isn't it oh it's yeah amazing some of the benefits in terms of energy no more slumps in the afternoon yeah if you come and see me i'm going to pay you full attention <laughs> mid-afternoon as a gp it's actually that's great for me honestly yeah. steve because you know i was genuinely it's 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 not good when you are dropping off mid-afternoon mm-hmm. and your job is to concentrate on what one person is saying to you and if you can't do that you're not doing your job properly that's game changer for me yeah i'm not going off to try and find you know snacks mid-afternoon yeah you know, other than a glass of water yeah um so you know that's an absolute game changer energy levels i okay so why are so many people who struggle who, who are overweight so tired all the time they've got way more stored energy than they ever need. Yeah. It's because they're not able to access their fat stores, they're not able to process their energy properly. Mm-hmm. Since I went low carb, I've got so much more energy. I now, I started off slowly. I was exercising twice a week mm-hmm. on, a, on a committed schedule. That went up to three times a week. I'm now up to four or five times a week. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have put on a lot more muscle mass mm-hmm. And, the, and I know that I'm metabolically a lot more healthy than I used to be, mm-hmm. which actually coincidentally means I can tolerate more carbohydrates than I used to. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. Fascinating. And we call it uh, in my book the, the carbo coaster. So this is why when you are eating carbohydrates, you're always wanting to snack and you're always low on energy. So what happens is 
you eat carbohydrates. They turn instantly into sugar. Sugar that you don't need, in other words, if you're exercising at the time, the body can burn it and that's fine. But your body doesn't want sugar, what we call glucose, in the bloodstream. It's effectively poisoning the bloodstream. So it has to release insulin, a hormone, to grab that sugar and store it as body fat. But then, because it's grabbed it and stored it so quickly, you're hungry again. So you want the next meal. So you have some more carbohydrates because you, you want carbohydrates because you know that's the thing that will quickly give you energy. But as soon as you've got that energy, insulin's grabbed it if you've not used it and stored it again. So we call it a carbo coast. You've got, sp- you've got these spikes where you've just had the, 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 the sugar-laden drink or the bread. You feel loads of energy, but it goes so quickly. That's why you have a McDonald's and you feel full for about 30 seconds or a couple of minutes and then you're hungry again. Yeah. But once you come off that and you start eating eggs for breakfast, uh, you start eating your cauliflower rice and, and, and high fats and high proteins, because your body can now access your fat stores, any spare fat you've gotten, you know, everybody's got some spare fat, you are never, ever hungry. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, a complete thing, complete changer from, you know, needing breakfast and then, oh, how many breakfast cereals say they're going to keep you full for longer? Yeah. <laughs> no, never been able to make it to lunch yeah. without needing some sort of snack mid-morning. Yeah. Actually, the more, bre- I, and I try to increase the amount of breakfast cereal yeah. and you're up to like four times the amount of the recommended daily allowance. Yeah. I swear that just makes you hungrier yeah, it does. because the, car- the crash yeah. is so much harder after that big car brush in the morning. I mean, that's the thing of it. If you have cereal, mm. you get hungrier faster, if that's mm. what you have every day, cereal, cereal, than if you had no breakfast at all. Mm. We don't have to have breakfast anymore because our body can access the, the fat. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, it's one in the afternoon, I'll have something to eat yeah, now. Or yeah. it's, Honestly, once you can go low carb, no carb, even better, especially if you're trying to lose weight, you become a fat burning machine, the weight falls off, and it's just, it's the way to go if you're overweight. It's the way to go if you're diabetic. Mm. Um, Final question I ask every single doctor that sits in here, what legacy would you like to leave behind? Now you're a bit younger than most doctors we have in, but uh, what legacy would you like to leave behind? I, okay, so for the last, since the 1970s and the introduction of the low fat guidelines, we have seen an increase in obesity and then shortly followed by an increase in type 2 diabetic type 2 diabetes. I would just like to see that trend start to go the other way. Brilliant. Brilliant. Simple. Let's all play a part of that, Dr. Dan Mags. Great seeing you. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Do go and check out Dr. Dan Mags' website, which is carbdodging.com, and that will help you put into practice many of the things we've talked about in the last hour. If you enjoyed this podcast, then why not subscribe to the full series so you can hear from all the incredible health professionals we spoke to. Before you go, though, visit Amazon today and pick up your copy of Fat and Furious by Steve Bennett. And as a thank you for being a subscriber, we'll even give you a third off. Simply use the discount code FFPODCAST and you'll get the full story featuring all 23 medical professionals.